So again, happy Lunar New Year Day to you. We're going to continue our series of special interviews. Yesterday we heard from the Ambassador of Finland. Today, to the nearby Scandinavian neighbour of Norway. Korea's relationship with this Nordic country goes all the way back to the Korean War, when Norway contributed medical personnel. But it goes beyond that, obviously, in the subsequent decades. Uh, the development of bilateral ties getting stronger and stronger, as one would hope and expect. And on the back of that, let's welcome Norwegian ambassador to Korea, His Excellency Froda Solberg. Again, happy Solal holidays to you. Thanks the same and happy Lunar New Year to, uh, to everyone, uh, to you and to everyone who's listening as well. Have you been enjoying your time since you assumed your post last year? When, when was that exactly? Uh, I came uh, last June and uh, it's been an amazing travel and journey since then. Uh, uh, I think uh, this is uh, a very, uh, it's an amazing country to be in. It's, it's, it's beautiful. People are very friendly and uh, our ties with South Korea are very close in all areas. So uh, it's been fun. It's been hectic, but uh, I feel very privileged to be here. This is your first Lunar New Year period as well. I, I remember, and this is a conversation I've had a few times recently, uh, I remember when I first encountered the Lunar New Year holiday, I was trying to get my head around it, you know, after celebrating New Year's Day, January 1st. What's you, been your approach to that, embracing a, a new Korean-style holiday? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's an interesting question, actually. And, and I think uh, we need some time sort of to, to try to sort I think a natural uh, way from my part would be to try to compare with the holidays I know, like Christmas and Easter. Then I've, I've lived many years abroad, and now there's no direct comparison in a way. But I just, uh, it's interesting to be part of this. I was here at the Chuseok holiday as well, and I'm staying here in, in Korea over uh, these days as well. And it's quite interesting to, to see and to learn. And uh, I've been uh, taught well by, by many good colleagues in our embassy as well how this, uh, this works. So it's, it's interesting to experience and learn something new. A big part uh, as well of Korean holidays is remembering the past, particularly ancestors. Is that something that's alive and well still in, in Norway, that connection with tradition? I would, I, I think, I'm sorry to say, not in the same way. Uh, and I, I very much appreciate and respect the way that uh, that uh, Koreans are really taking care and thinking about their ancestors and, and, and close relatives. And I think that's perhaps an aspect that we're not that concern about in, in, in Norway at least and uh, something that we should uh, perhaps uh, have a little higher on our agenda and I, I think that the, the way the, um, the society turned over the last couple of centuries when, when has, has to a certain extent meant a uh, longer distance between the generations and that I think is, is very good to see here in, in Korea. I've mentioned a few times on the radio that my mother is from Iceland and Iceland is sometimes viewed as um, still holding up to a certain extent old Norse and obviously there is a strong connection between Norway and Iceland historically and a lot of the traditions are maintained in Iceland. For example, around this time we're celebrating in Iceland Thoroblot and it's a time of eating some of the most horrendous foods known to mankind, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, rotten shark meat, for example, and uh, dried up old sheep heads. Um, and, you know, certainly everything, including the eyeballs, uh, would be consumed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that sort of thing faded away then in Norway as well? No, I, I, th I think it, to a certain extent it's coming back. I think, especially when it comes to food, uh, the traditions are coming back. And uh, I think even young people today are appreciating the uh, the possibility to take back. And you mentioned the sheep heads. That's a very typical thing to eat in autumn uh, in, in Norway as well. And when it comes to 
both Christmas, Easter, and all the holidays, I would say, uh, traditional foods are still very, very important. And uh, so in many ways, I think we have going a little bit back again and to try to maintaining and, and appreciating the old tradition. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's a good sign. Coming back to this issue of bilateral ties, have seen this development, the strengthening. Every country that was involved in the Korean War has that foothold. It's a good conversation starter, isn't it? It is. And, and uh, I think we appreciate the, the, the cold, very close relations that we have with, with South Korea. And, and, uh, and as you mentioned, uh, we were here with a hospital during the, uh, the Korean War. And that was uh, perhaps sort of uh, not the first uh, area that we cooperated on, but it was a very important one. And uh, the Normash was here, as I mentioned, in the war. Uh, it stayed on with medical personnel together with the other Scandinavian countries in the years after, establishing the National uh, Medical Center, and which is still in existence today, celebrating actually 60 years uh, last year. And today, or this year, we are celebrating 60 years of diplomatic relations between Norway and the Republic of Korea, which is, is marks uh, a very important uh, yeah, mark in history. I think that the Normash and the, the Korean War was uh, a very important starting point, and it helped us develop the close ties that we enjoy today. When I spoke to your Finnish counterpart, and indeed all of the ambassadors we've had the privilege to speak to, trade is like number one on the list of <laughs> priorities for ambassadors these days uh, it, it's sometimes indistinguishable from from the heads of the chambers of commerce obviously your responsibilities do stretch beyond trade but it just shows how important trade is how's that going it's it's going very well and uh, i think based on on history uh, based on our maritime traditions uh, and and the many areas that we, we we work closely on and and i think it has something to do with our history as well because uh, as korea norway was also in the in 1930s 40s uh, a very poor country and has developed rapidly over the last let's say two generations so i think we share many of the th the same we share the same history we share many of the same experiences. Things have developed rapidly in, in just 50, 60 years. And that gives us a very good understanding of each other. And I feel that we, we, we understand each other very well. And that's a very good point of departure when it comes to cooperation also uh, in the, and the commercial ties. These ties are, have developed tremendously, not only in the maritime area, which sort of was the traditional uh, and, and long-standing ties between our countries, but also in other areas. Uh, well, we still haven't received the numbers for last year, but in 2017, Korea was actually our fifth largest uh, trade partner, just after the neighboring countries, uh, Sweden and, and, and uh, Germany, and the United States and China, and then with South Korea, which is perhaps... A, a surprise to both Koreans and Norwegians and many others, but it shows the importance of our trade levels, uh, and which is now expanding into, I would say, all areas. So uh, it's it's an, an incredible uh, increase, actually. But if we were to break down the figures, I don't want to put you on the spot, you don't have to give any precise <laughs> numbers, but what would be the products that would be right at the top of that trade list? I think, I mean, it, it's it's money of many of the, let's say, traditional machinery areas, but within the maritime industry, ships, oil rigs, of course, are major and, and important uh, areas of cooperation, but also Norwegian companies uh, trading with, with uh, let's say, technical equipment in ships and rigs mm. and, and, and everything. Shipbuilding's uh, so big here, it's, still. It's enormous. It's enormous. And we... 
Today, we have many ships being built around in, in different yards in, uh, in, uh, in South Korea. And so shipbuilding had been a big Scandinavian thing, but what happened with Scandinavia perhaps is a warning of what South Korea is going to have to go through in terms of eventually um, evolving. Uh, maybe, but, it, but I think, uh, I mean, the magnitude is, is, is different. I mean, the, uh, the way that shipbuilding has been developing here, it's, it's, it's a totally different type of shipbuilding in a way mm-hmm. uh, and when you visit the big yards in, in the southern part of Korea it's extremely impressive to see how these three 400 meter ships are just lying there one after the other and, and how they have made it possible to produce uh, these giants in such an uh, effective way. And we heard recently on the show how the orders have been backing up yeah, uh, yeah. after a years of struggle i mean yeah it's it's been tough times and i think the industry has noticed that but but uh, there might be some as far as i understand at least some signs that uh, the situation is improving but i think also that the trade has moved into other areas as well i mean uh of course seafood is another area that is very important for norway we see the uh, huge success of of uh, korean car makers in uh, in norway especially when it comes to the new electric vehicles like the hyundai kona the uh, kia nira and so on there are are uh, extremely popular two years waiting list for these cars in Norway now so I mean in in, in many areas we have uh, we have moved from the traditional areas also into new and modern technologies it's it's a wide variety of, of, uh, of areas when we talk about trade I can't help thinking in in brexit terms how a lot of people have been suggesting the Norway model for Great Britain uh, what do we mean by that because Norway isn't actually a member of the European Union but when it comes to trade, sometimes it looks like a member of the EU. Uh, that's a very interesting question. And I, I think that it's not all that easy to understand. Uh, but but we, we actually turned down the membership uh, in 1994, uh, actually for the second time. We had a referendum in 1972 as well. But we have very, very close relation or re- relationship with the European Union and the European Union countries, of course. And through the uh, EEA, uh, the European Economic Agreement, we can put it, uh, to, to put it simply, uh, de facto memberships of the economic operation. So we are, we have the four freedoms, free movement and capital, workforce, uh, people uh, and, and goods. And of course, that gives us uh, the uh, important access to the European market and vice versa. So from from that point of view, we, we have a very, very close relationship and the EA agreement, agreement have served, I think, both Norway and the European Union well. And something that we uh, we still uh, treasure very, very high today. And it's, it's working very, very well for, for Norway's part. What is the main advantage of Norway not going the full nine yards and actually being an EU member though why, why don't the people want that when they're, when they're asked in a referendum I think it's difficult to give a simple reply on that but I think uh, it's, it's a combination of, of different causes but um, Norway uh, were, was many years uh, under rule of other countries I mean we're 400 years under, under Denmark uh, another 100 years uh, under in union with, with Sweden and we'll be released ourselves in, in, in uh, 1905. And I think sort of the, uh, it, it, that has created and maintained a very strong sense of, of perhaps individuality in Norway. Mm. Norway is a relatively large country uh, with a, um, a population of 5.3 5. million people living all around the country. I mean, it's, it's populated, but that means that people live some places in, in relatively small village, villages and fisher villages and so on. I think the 
the distance to our capital Oslo uh, in some areas uh, can be regarded as, as 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 long, and it's even further to to uh, let's say Brussels and other areas. I think I think it's uh, it's a question that uh, has to do something with feelings as well, uh, and the uh, strong sense of um, individuality and 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 uh, the wish to to decide our our own way. Yeah. But having said that, I, I I have to underline as well that the relations and the cooperation with the European Union is very very close and. We cooperate closely, not only in the trade area, but also when it comes to uh, European Union agencies, organizations, when it comes to sort of, uh, I, I would say, more or less all areas. We are uh, very much in, in line and in sync with, with, our, uh, with the neighboring countries and the European Union. Norway, though, just seems to be doing so well, looking in from the outside. I know the reality on the ground can be different. It must be partly fueled by the country's access to certain natural resources. Oil has been seen as a big source of, uh, of wealth, for example. But is, is there anything in particular that other countries, even other Scandinavian countries, can learn from what Norway's doing at a time when Sweden has been struggling more with uh, immigrant communities and been struggling more economically, for example? Well, I, I think from uh, one thing that we have been, been blessed by nature when it comes to, uh, to let's say, energy sources. I live in a country or, or come from a country where we have uh, more than 90%, almost 100% renewable energy sources when it comes to electricity. And as, as uh, you would know, uh, we have uh, also oil and gas resources that, that uh, sort of uh, has been very helpful. But I think, um, and, and our... We have fishery resources also, which is very important, of course. But I think it's not only that, but I think we have managed to maintain a system where many people, all people, have the possibility to succeed. I mean, studying is free. Uh, it's, it's still a very egalitarian society that gives uh, equal opportunities for most people. And uh, and I also think that the, the income that has been generated uh, by the oil and gas resources has been 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 spent in in a very wise way. So we have been able to save up for a, for a, for a rainy day. Yeah. And uh, the the uh, so called and popularly mentioned pension fund is is uh, is very important and will will also be possible for future generations to make use of the oil and gas resources that we that there's found in Norway for a generation or three. So so it's not all been spent in in in, in just a few years. So I think we have been sort of lucky from, from nature's wise, but I also think that we have been lucky when it comes to well-maintaining. We have had luck with good politicians as well, and, and yeah. I think that we have a good agreement, on, on a cross-political agreement on how to spend this money. So uh, I think uh, the management has been well as well. And, and certainly you look at a country like Venezuela and the way its natural resources have not necessarily led to prosperity and political stability. Uh, you, I think that really underscores your your point, even if we're talking about very different cultural and social histories there. And by the way, I do want to emphasize, because we've, we've had the opportunity to speak to Sweden's ambassador and, and officials from that country, it certainly don't mean to downplay some of the uh, great successes of that country, but it's just by comparison in Scandinavia, Norway is doing very well in terms of perception. And that perception, as you know, is, is very important. What would be the reality for a Korean person listening right now thinking, gosh, Norway sounds nice. I'd like to maybe think about setting myself up there. Is that, is that easy to do? I would say welcome to Norway. <laughs> it's very kind of you to say this. And, and, but I think it's, it's, um, 
uh, of course, it's my job to to promote Norway. But I, I think also that uh, that we have. Uh, let's say a good country to promote, and um, one thing is the sort of the the beauty of the country, which uh, I will not downplay any other countries. But the uh, the nature in Norway is, is dramatic. We have the the fjords, we have the mountains, we have uh, beautiful forests as well, and and uh, it, it's it's a it's a magnificent landscape, which I also find in in Korea. Uh, I mean, I, I was I've been sort of uh, I wouldn't say surprised, but I've been uh, amazed to see all the na- natural beauty in this country yeah. as well with the mountains and the seas. Uh, so we share many of the same things, but I think it's relatively easy to come to Norway and and both uh, as a tourist, but also if you want to come there on a long-term basis to study, to work. It's a very international society, so uh, I think that would be I think most people will find that easy. What about from a, a point of view of modernity as well? I just wanted to ask, uh, when you started comparing with Korea, how Seoul City has vowed to invest $131 billion worth of innovative funds in seven areas this year, including building a smart city. Norway has seen a growing smart city movement. What does that version look like? Uh, we, have, we have focused on smart cities as well. And I, th- I think a key word from our part is is, uh, is sustainability to try to find sustainable solutions i have to admit that our cities are smaller than in korea um i mean some of the uh, some of the challenges look a little bit different but i think having putting sustainability as a key word uh, to try to develop and maintain uh, good policies when it comes to smart cities to try to to establish policies when it comes to the use of energy, to use renewable energy, to uh, introduce, uh, I mentioned previously the uh, the success of electric Korean electric cars in Norway. Uh, I think now Norway is, is if not the, uh, at least among the countries, I think among the countries with the highest density of electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. That is an important part. Um, we have introduced rules and regulations which, which sort of limits the use of fossil fuel cars, uh, both when it comes to the big cities, but also smaller cities. And important uh, areas like uh, reducing the use uh, of energy to heat buildings at nighttime. I mean, relatively easy measures, but but I think to, to try to, uh, to focus on sustainability is, is important. And also now we see development not only in the consumer areas, but I would say autonomous shipping, uh, green shipping. I mean, with areas that I think could be quite interesting for for Korea as well. And they are profound at country level, government level. But coming back to the consumer side and how that also transcends into culture, when Koreans think of Norway, they probably uh, immediately think of some of the salmon that they find on their supermarket shelves. What what else? What other products do you think you'd like to focus on as an ambassador? Well, I th- we are, I say, the composition of the business life in Norway is somewhat different than than uh, some other countries. You mentioned salmon. I mean, seafood, uh, salmon, mackerel, king crab, very important products here. And, and actually, we have uh, more than uh, almost two hundred tons of seafood coming into Korea every day by plane. So it's it's in a very important uh, bilateral area of, of, of uh, cooperation as mm-hmm. well. But there are other uh, products as well. I mean, when it comes to, let's say, lifestyle products like uh, furniture, you know, the Scandinavian Nordic style furniture is still uh, is also present here in, in, in Korea, also Norwegian uh, products. Uh, the stressless chair is, is, quite, uh, is quite famous, uh, but also other areas. But I think um, 
the uh, the let's say the main framework operation we we talked a lot about uh, maritime industry but i also would like to to underline the importance of the energy area mm. when it comes to renewable energy uh we i come from an energy country so to speak and we have long-term uh, competence and knowledge when it comes to renewable energy and i think that will be one central part of the future cooperation between between our two countries it's uh, it's interesting how you know oil wealth help propel Norway's 20th century development but renewable is obviously there as the backbone that is that is very true and uh, it's an interesting aspect actually because i think we're focusing very much on the renewables uh, as well and not trying and trying to sort of uh, we will need uh, oil and gas uh, and the the world needs energy and and uh, norwegian oil and gas is part of that that energy mix for many years to come but that means it's still possible to extract oil and gas in a in a relatively environmentally friendly way and actually the emissions on the norwegian shelf it's much lower than the world average so so we have found good solutions but as part of that transition to focus on renewable energy is very very important for us and it's it's quite um, I, i would say almost impressive to see how the norwegian energy companies is sort of leading on that transition and um and i think that's um that's one key area that we'll focus on also in the years to come and going the other way Korean products making their way to Norway. Not just products, though. Also, even a high school north of Oslo is offering a course on K culture. Yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because I think that uh, one thing is is you know technology products from from Korea, well known all over the world, and of course also in Norway when when TVs, uh, phones, uh, everything. Uh, we talked about cars as well, and and there's a wide variety of of Korean products, well known among the most well known trade names actually. But I think the phenomenon of K-pop and K-culture has has really reached Norway as well. And just as you mentioned, uh, we have a high school focusing on K-pop, K uh, Korean culture, Taekwondo. I mean, and and it, it's very popular. And and actually, we're having them here. They're coming here in April to to visit Korea and to uh, to get to know the country even even closer and uh, and develop their uh, knowledge with K-pop and and uh, Korean language as well. It's been a, a tremendous privilege and pleasure to have you here in the studio, Your Excellency Frodo Solberg. Uh, is there a final message you want to leave us with, a, a kind of New Year's message of hope for not just 2019, because that started all, already, but uh, this year of the pig, does it bring any particular hope for you? Well, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, we, we're entering into or will be a part of an exciting time in, in history. And, I think, and then we're, of course, following the developments on the peninsula with, with great interest. And uh, I think we, we will remain optimistic and then uh, look forward to, uh, to new uh, positive signs. And uh, I think uh, it's been uh, a much calmer year that we have put behind us. And uh, let's hope that that development will continue. And uh, I would also like to, to thank you for having me on the show and, and, uh, and also would like to express uh, what a privilege I feel it is to, to uh, work in, in South Korea and be here in, in Seoul on a daily basis and, and develop our ties between our countries even further. It's, it's, uh, it's something I look forward to every day when I wake up. That's a great way to approach any job and best of luck to you. Thank you very much. <laughs>